to Spooky South Coast. I'm Tim Weisberg. With me is Matt Costa and Science Advisor Matt Moniz. And for those of you who did not listen to the show live, we had a little bit of technical difficulty operating the digital recorder in the studio. Well, actually, there was no digital recorder in the studio when we went in, so we, through the magic of technology, recorded it via laptop, and we ran into some trouble losing the first half hour or so of the show uh, including the first couple minutes with our first guest, the Southland Paranormal Society out of Florida. So what we will do here is we will join the discussion already in progress with Jeff Boots and Chris Yergler from the Southland Paranormal Society. We will uh, jump right into the discussion with them, and then at the end of the show, you're going to hear us announce ne- next week's guest as cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman well, uh, recently, Lauren emailed me to say that he cannot join us due to a, a personal uh, emergency that came up. So we are still working on trying to put together something for this Saturday. So stay tuned to the blog on SpookySouthCoast.com, and we will have an announcement up as soon as we have a guest. So again, our apologies for the myriad of technical difficulties that took place during the show. We had some problems with some EVPs coming up, uh, coming out clear. And we had some problems uh, just in, with some echo on some cell phones from some of our guests. So uh, my best suggestion is to check out the New England Paranormal Video Research Group's website, www.nepvrg. Click on the EVP section, and you can hear their EVPs you know, clear and in living stereo. You can also hear the work they did to touch up ours a little bit better. And uh, we will work on getting the Southland Paranormal Society's website as soon as they have it up and running. And remember, if you need to get in touch with us, just uh, shoot us an email, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. That will connect with all three of the hosts. Or you can indiv- uh, an email each of us individually, tim at spookysouthcoast.com, matt at spookysouthcoast.com from Matt Costa. And to get Science Advisor Matt Moniz, it's scienceadvisor at spookysouthcoast.com. And, of course, we invite you to join the message board on the site and also to visit us on MySpace, www.spookysouthcoast.com. I'm sorry, <laughs> www.myspace.com slash spookysouthcoast. See, even when I'm recording this in the comfort of my own home, I'm prone to serious mistakes. So uh, we'll jump right into the conversation now with uh, Jeff and Chris from the Southland Paranormal Society. In that room, in other words, you're leaving it there for a duration when nobody's going to be interfering with the exposure. You know, somebody accidentally walking across will leave a ghostly image. Definitely, yeah. But, yeah, but just because it's, it's on an open shutter like that, so it's going to create that, the illusion of a motion. Yeah. Correct. So if something actually is in there and does do something and move, it's much easier to recognize on the film. Definitely. Cool. Uh, one thing I'm going to say is thank you. I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> now you do. I want to think about when you're working with cameras, especially video, uh, doing them in stereo, stereo video. Have you heard of that particular process? Do you mean, you know, the, like the actual audio in stereo? No, or? no, no I'm talking okay. the actual video in stereo. Two video cameras focused on the same, same focus point. 
Because, because if you have one that picks up something, somebody can say, hey, that's just an aberration in that particular camera. If you got two cameras photographing or filming the same thing at the same time, that oh, okay, I know, yeah, yeah, def definitely. Made. That's yeah, that's what yeah. we also try to do. Yeah, we definitely can take that into consideration. Definitely, so, we have definitely tried that. All right, they don't necessarily have to be side by side, although that does help if you're looking for. But it, it does help if you're looking for similar angles, right? Mm -hmm. But also to have it at different angles, like at two different sides of the room, as long as you're not interfering with somebody else's flash and causing a glare, right? Uh, it, you could also find out if you two happen to pick up the same thing. Oh yeah, it definitely helps to verify if you get if you happen to catch any evidence of that type. I have a couple more suggestions for you to bring. Uh, a handheld barometer. You okay. Know, you yeah. know what that is, obviously. Yeah, it's right? for uh, measuring uh, uh, moisture in the air. No, it's for measuring air pressure. Or air. Pre I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. A uh, hydrometer measures. Uh, uh, that's you, right. Measures the moisture, but that wouldn't hurt as well. Uh, now, if you can find one that's called a MinMax. That records the maximum and minimum air pressure that is uh, exposed to the barometer. Okay. In okay. a lot of cases that I know of, um, air pressure or the pressure in the room will drop, decrease, in when an entity is trying to manifest. And when an entity starts moving things or expressing energy, the pressure will increase. The same happens with yeah. their temperature. Mm -hmm. When they're entering into a room, trying to gather energy, the room gets cold. That's why people feel cold. And when people get slapped or things start to get thrown, they feel blasts of heat. Just because you're that dead. would actually explain why. In, in some of the, on, like on taps, um, when when they were at the military base there, the the armory, right. When everything really started to go down, the thermal started showing red. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just because you're dead doesn't mean all the laws of physics are thrown out the window. Oh yeah, definitely. And of course, that armory was right here in the city of New Bedford. Yes, it was. That is and uh, we actually uh, we talked to Brian Harnwa uh, the week before last, and he was telling us that the sound guy Frank actually quit. Yeah, yeah I, not we, I listened to that. that show. That was the uh, yeah. That, you know, it doesn't surprise me. He was he was really shaken up. Did he quit because of that? Yes. Yeah, Brian oh, said that wow. he just he he once he I think once he realized that this stuff is real. Yeah. He was oh, yeah. like, oh boy, I don't yeah, know what I, I got that. myself. That, that went well beyond his expectations. That was crazy. <laughs> You actually saw the bag, like, lift up by itself. That was, wow. I've worked as a sound man. I know how heavy those things are. <laughs> yeah. And that was crazy. To uh, be able to try and kick that up with your knee would be a feat in itself. All right. Well, why don't we uh, try and get into some of these uh, EVPs that you guys have captured? Okay. All right. Uh, and now uh, this this case that you've been you've, you've inv been investigating repeatedly, uh, this one uh, former shelter. Yes. Yeah. And you've had some really interesting results there. Yeah, it's definitely, a, uh, like the owner had said to me, it's definitely a fun building. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, it's odd in itself. You know, um, when we first went there, uh, we, you know, we were looking at it, and you, you go in, and it's just, it's just the building is odd to begin with. You know, like the structure of it. Like there's, I didn't think it was so big. You know, I mean, there's so many rooms, um, and the story, uh, the first story we had heard uh, was... It was a book, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a book, yeah. yeah. the uh, I believe it was one of the uh, employees that worked there. Uh, she was standing in a room where I guess there was a another room where there was a, like a, a one of those bookcases that are up actually in the wall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like a, like recessed almost into the wall? Yeah, 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 like that. 
And she said that all of a sudden they heard this huge, like, boom, right? And they didn't know what it was. There was nobody else in the building. So they go and check it out. And they go in the room, and there's a paperback book laying in the middle of the floor. Uh, Not a very thick one either. Yeah. So it would have taken some force to, to make it, yeah. give it a resonating sound like that, even in a place like this. Yeah, so, I, you know, I I thought, well, okay, you know, once you first told me that, I was like, well, okay. You know, I didn't realize it was one of those actual bookcases that are in the wall. And I was like, well, is the, is the floor uneven? And she's like, well, you know, not really. I'm like, okay, well, is the bookshelf, or, or sorry, a, a bookshelf uneven? Um, and she goes, no, because I was thinking, you know, maybe the bookshelf. You yeah, know, one thing yeah, we might want to try next time is bringing a small torpedo level or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the first thing we heard. Um, but yeah, we we tried to we tried to debunk that, uh, yeah. seeing if maybe the book just simply could have fallen off or something. And maybe they exaggerated a little bit. Uh, we tried shaking that uh, bookcase, and it was steadfast. It wouldn't even make yeah. a small creak. It was like pushing on the floor, basically. And like you said, with with that kind of force, it it sounds more like it sounded to them more like it was slammed down than like yeah, it fell it was a loud bang. And that was you know there was no one else in the room, and it, they said it sounded like it came from that specific area. Well, they did find the book on the floor mm-hmm. in the. Uh, uh, in in that closet, so, yeah. that that little book room. So. Just gonna throw this out there. Maybe you know the answer. Maybe you don't. Do you know what the title of the book was? No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, that they didn't tell us. They didn't. Yeah. We didn't get to see the book itself because yeah. I, I, I honestly don't think they remembered which one after they had put it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, next thing you know, you look down. It's the Satanic Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been strange in a place like that. Yeah. But yeah why not? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes uh, these items appear. It doesn't mean anybody brought them there. Oh, even even weirder would have been uh, something along the lines of you know theories of gravity by Isaac Newton or something. Like that. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Throw those out the window. Yeah. And uh, so when you guys you you went in there and you just started, how how did you approach it at first? We did a preliminary first. Um, we always like to do that. You know that way we can get an actual you know first off a feeling of the building. Yeah. Um, yeah you well, know. we won't do two things. It's usually get a feeling of the building. Uh, you know, maybe see if we happen to feel anything that others have felt while in there and see if there's a connection there. Yeah. Uh, see if we could run through, you know, take a few quick readings temperature-wise, EMF-wise. Um, also, just kind of assess whether or not there's going to be any safety hazards in there. Yeah, usually that's exactly what we do. Most importantly, find out what could shake up enough dust and cause the so-called classic orb phenomenon yeah. whenever we take pictures. Yeah, yeah that... personally, we don't like, you know, the whole, like, dust thing. We just... Well, I think orbs are, are a viable uh, piece of evidence, but there's so many different causes. Oh, yeah. yeah so it's really, really, really hard to distinguish those at times. I think you know, if, we, if you can couple it with other other evidence as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We think, you know, if you see if you see something that is just pure white, you know. And it looks more like a light bulb than anything else. Yeah, then, you know, we'll actually give it credit, you know. But if it's just something that you can directly see through and it has this little... You know, like uh, actual uh, a gray, you know, color to it, and no, you know, we're not going to really say that that's evidence. You know. Well, let's talk about some of the the EVPs now. So you went back on a on a second, more thorough investigation. Yeah. Well, we we did the uh, the first time was it was the actual actual full on investigation where we actually set up still cameras in different rooms. Um, we had about I think it was like eight people, wasn't it? Yeah, we had about eight people. Yeah, which, and over time we'll manage to mention them by name. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you know we had our our uh, our setup was in I guess it was the first room of the building. Um, yeah, it was that sort of main lobby kind of room. Yeah, sort of a living room area. Um, and it was 
We had some pretty strange experiences there. Uh, we had, this is, I can't explain this. We tried to explain this up and down, and it's just, it's just odd. Uh, we had one camera that was going up to a certain room. Um, is it was being fed by a cord, and which we had the cord brace rather steadfast. Yeah, and it was there was a lot of slack on the cord too, uh, and we had it set on the windowsill, and we were downstairs. Everybody actually everybody was downstairs, and the whole team can vouch for this. Um, we had the monitors set up, and all of a sudden, one of the monitors goes out. Yeah, I problem. think we were we were uh, we were downstairs, and we were well away from the cord. And I think you and me were looking for the hallway, yeah. which actually we were trying to find the EVPs where we found most of the EVPs. Mm-hmm. And we had heard uh, actually uh, one of our other investigators, Mary, who was watching the monitors. We had heard her go, "Hey, the feed's out." So yeah. we went and looked, and so we went up to check it, and uh, the the box that connects the wires. Um, it's almost like a small phone jack box that connects the end of the camera to the rest of the wire was actually the box itself was snapped in half. Yeah, and nobody was upstairs. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of weird. Uh, we, You know, you had so much slack on that wire, and we did tape the wire up against the wall. So well, the, wire, the wire itself was resting on the ground, and yeah. where the wire was taped, it wouldn't have been jiggled. No, it wouldn't have been jiggled, and you could see. And I can't really explain that, because I tried to put it back together... And when it was together, it was almost like if you try and open um, on a remote control where the batteries go, you got to mm-hmm. pull it open a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, to me, that I just can't see that happening by itself. Well, had it been had it been just the cord getting pulled, the phone jack itself sort of and would have just come out. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. Well, I mean, they do have that little tab on them that has to be depressed, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I mean, it could be. I mean, if. Somebody had tripped over a wire, I mean, and yanked it enough, it would crack that to pull. But also, if there was something of uh, a paranormal nature, it's not going to have a thumb to push down on that little part either. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and it's it's going to uh, have, it's probably going to use some force to remove it. And uh, as yeah, we talk, so we'll talk a little bit more about this case. And it says, an understanding that there might have been some sort of force. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely, because yeah. that's one of those things that since we didn't fully see it happen, it's a 50-50. Yeah, so we can't cool, really hold much to it. No, it's a but cool we experience. did think it was interesting. Yeah, and you just added in with all the other evidence to start building a case. Now, I think what we should probably do here is I think the way we should do this to have it best work is we'll play uh, an EVP. Okay. And then uh, we have them in the in, in the order that uh, you sent them to us. Okay. okay. So we'll play it, and then uh, we won't say what it is that you said at first. We'll just... We'll play it, and then you can tell us the story about how you acquired that particular EVP. So. All right, then. All right, Matt, fire the first one up. Okay. Right, one more time, Matt. And, and you guys could hear that enough to tell us what that one was? I can. I, I know what that one is, okay. yeah. Um, we're not totally sure. I personally couldn't understand it. Um, since, you know, that was... Uh, I, I think that was at the time... We were doing uh, a provocation, wasn't it? Yeah, we were. We were uh, there was a, there was a good amount of time spent down in the main hallway where yeah. a lot of the EVPs were caught from a lot of previous stuff. Because that that one you just played was from our uh, reinvestigation. Yeah, it was our that was our second one. And uh, we decided to try a provocation, which, as a lot of people know, it's it's, it's to try and sort of egg them on a little bit through mm-hmm. you know maybe a little bit of verbal abuse. We laid it on kind of thick, we admit. But <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. We definitely you know wanted it to actually show itself and, you know, do all that stuff. But uh, as far as we're concerned, um, you know, we thought that that sounded almost scared. 
Yeah. You know, that it, it sounded almost intimidated. Yeah, it was like a female voice that sounded scared. And, um, and you believe that it said... We have no idea what it said. I mean, I it, said, it could have been a moan. It could have been saying no, something like that. It could have been anything. We, I could not figure out what it was saying. I tried and tried and tried when I was actually taking, you know, the noise reduction and the, and, and the hiss, you know, with the program. Um, but we, that was just that one that we just could not understand what it was saying. All right. Well, why don't we uh, we'll fire up another one here. And uh, this, this one here is uh, you guys do have uh, a theory as to what was being said, so. Okay. Matt, oh. That that's that's pretty clear. Matt, play yeah. that one more time. Uh, yeah, do you, do you remember what that was in? Saying no. The thing, no. <laughs> was that in response to a question you would ask? You know what? I think it is. Um, there was an investigator who was there. That's from the first investigation. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that was Lance. Yeah, Lance. That was uh, Lance and Mario. He was, I think. Yeah, I think he was saying, "Can I play with you?" Because in the first investigation, we we had a theory that there may have been a child. Yeah, and they Which, that does know. not sound at all like a child. So obviously, <laughs> no. They said, "Yeah, they were in a room where there was a bunch of stuffed animals." Um, and as I remember on the recording, listening to the whole thing, uh, he, he's asking you know questions and stuff, and he says, "Can I play with you?" And then that was just literally almost immediately after you hear, "No." So yeah, well, that's one thing we had definitely noticed was. The distance of it was very strange because when we had listened to it on the recorder, it sounded like a hiss, you know, sort of a whisper. Mm -hmm. And then we we got the program uh, to clean it up, and we brought it, we we amplified it, uh, reduced the noise, and we heard a full voice there. Yeah. And, and you use Adobe Audition as your cleanup program, right? Yes, uh, of we course. do. Definitely, yes, definitely. That okay. is. I think we have a call on the line for you here. Okay. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Is uh, you got Chris on? We have Chris and Jeff from the Southland Paranormal Society. Well, hi, this is Keith. Hey, hey Keith. Keith, what's up? How's it going, bud? How you doing? Good. Keith, Keith Johnson of New England Anomalies Research and also a member of TAPS. How are you tonight, Keith? I'm, I'm doing, doing just talk fine. To regularly. Good to talk to you. What's and, up? I'd like to comment that uh, EVP is very interesting. I've heard them play it before, and it's uh, extremely interesting there. They do. They, they've got some... Uh, I mean, when you take into account where where it is that they were investigating and just the type of history it could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a strange EVP, and it definitely says no. I mean, you can't really pick out any other word yeah. that it's we, saying. We've tried every phonetic, you know, alternate phonetic pronunciation of anything similar, and it just didn't match. Well, Keith, if you don't mind, we'll have you hang on the line. We'll play a couple more of their EVPs. All right, sure. All right. And uh, Matt's got the next one fired up, I believe. Mm -hmm. oh. One more time, Matt. And uh, that sounded like "Hello." Can anyone hear me? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that actually. Um, that was uh, due to what I said. Uh, we were on, which. Seems like a very, very active area. Um, it was on a stairwell, yeah, and it leads up. Yeah, it leads to the second floor. Uh, it was me, Jeff, um, and two. Uh, there were two girls with us um, that were there. We were walking around, um, and I started walking down the steps. And I said, uh, "I said, is there anyone on this stairwell?" I just waited a second. I said, "Why don't you give us a sign?" And at the time, of course, at the time, I didn't hear that. Um, 
I think it was the next morning after the, the next morning we went to play it back, and there's actually there that's actually part of a two EVP section. Which yeah. I, I personally don't remember which one was before that, but what it seemed like it had happened was he had asked the first question, and then there was a response. And his second question, due to the fact that he didn't hear it, would have seemed sort of um, you know unrelated. So then it seemed like, "Hello, can anyone hear me?" Almost yeah. sarcastic. Yeah, it was very very strange because I first heard it, and I knew at the time that nobody had said anything. You know, at that time. And you literally hear, you know, hello, can anyone hear me, as if that is, like, direct response. You know, as something is trying to communicate. And at this point, you're starting to realize that whatever it is that's there is aware of your presence. It's definitely. Oh, and, we've and, had, yeah, we've yeah. definitely had signs of that. Oh, and yeah. I think uh, from when we talked before, things kind of took a, a little bit of a different uh, turn. Matt, we have the, the next one ready here, and we'll, uh, we'll see. I don't want to talk over it uh, one more time, Matt. He started to get a little bit of a giggle there. Yeah, that was down in one of the. Uh, that was down back in the main hallway. Yep. Um, from one of the first in, from the first investigation. Um, that was during when uh, Lance, Mario, and I think our other guy. He was our tech guy, uh, Barry. They had gone through uh, and tried their own form of provocation, more playful, and things like that. So we had gotten, you know. Whether or not there is an age differentiation there to really go off of, I couldn't tell you, but we definitely but got definitely, that giggle. Yeah, we got that giggle. And that stylish one creeps me out. <laughs> and and we don't have it. Um, we don't, we don't have it here. But you guys said that you also got some that were kind of more of a demonic laugh. Yeah, we oh, yeah. got. Oh yeah, we. Uh, I don't know. Did you say you don't have any of the laughs? Uh, no, uh, we didn't. I don't think we got those ones from you. But no, okay. Yeah, we got some really really weird laughs. Um, it almost, uh, you know, Jeff had mentioned, it almost made what sounded like the room go actually hollow. Yeah, it, it uh, whenever they occurred, I mean, I gave it my attention because as soon as they had happened, uh, the sound quality on the tape itself changed. Just completely sort of went like almost a hollow sort of distance down, like the room itself grew bigger. It was strange. Yeah, it was really, really weird. We got, uh, I think it was three laughs um, on the first investigation, uh, and the the first two uh, did sound very hollow. The third one, on the other hand, was very, like, very direct. Um, yeah, it was extremely clear, almost right up to the recorder. And what yeah. was strange was the way it came into the recorder, it, it fed along the same track as everybody else's speech, but it was like it cut out directly afterwards, almost electronically. Oh, what, was, oh, what was really, really weird is I, I can't explain this. Um, at the time that I had heard about it, I came downstairs, and the guy, Lance, had said, you know, at the time when we were actually recording, we stopped recording. And you actually hear, on the original tape itself, you hear them, you know, actually cut the tape out, mm -hmm. and then it turns on, and that laugh is there, but they didn't record that, and that was a fresh tape. Yeah, that tape had just come right out of the package. Wow. And now, and, and Keith, uh, in your experiences, too, you can probably vouch for the fact that, you know, if you have a regular a human-type spirit, you know, it's kind of a, a challenge for them to be able to uh, draw the energy to imprint their voice. But if you have something that's demonic or inhuman, uh, it, it's powerful enough to, like they say, make it sound like the whole room goes hollow. And Yes, there's def definitely a difference in the uh, level of, of activity and the energy that's put forth. It's, it's very, very different. And you can just feel the room charged. You can just feel the energy being drained right from you. And, uh, yeah, it's, there is quite a difference in the, the level of ability. Very heavy. 
opposed to something inhuman. Because an, uh, an inhuman spirit wouldn't need to, especially something that's you know demonic in nature, wouldn't need to use EVP to communicate. If they do, it's only because they're toying with you a little bit. I mean, they can. Oh make yeah, themselves they're definitely hurt. toying. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I would, of course, classify this as an intelligent haunt because it's responding as a. As opposed to residual, it's not just a playback. This is something that's actually attention getting and responding, and actually, like you said, toying with them. So, mm-hmm. and and especially where it, I mean, this such a possibility of malevolence in this location. Yeah, what's interesting about it is that this location is not always going to remain abandoned. I understand from what uh, Chris and Jeff have told me that they do have plans to re. Uh, inst- Institute this facility and yeah, and that, again and, yeah uh, that part we're not allowed to disclose. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's understandable though because I'm surprised that the the owners of the property are willing to let you at least go there and investigate, knowing that you know they're trying to do something with the property. Yep. And yep. uh, we I think we have one more EVP from you guys uh, that we received. So okay. Matt, you get that ready there. Ah, yeah. I want to do that one more time. And that uh, sounds, you believe, to be uh, a voice saying, have more come. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what we got out of it. Asking us, you know, essentially, is have more come here. Something like that. That's what it seemed like to us. Yeah, because that um, was very strange. What was strange was how it imprinted on the, on the chart whenever we had looked at it on the audition program. Um, was, it seemed like... The words have more showed up at the end, and then the word come came in in the beginning, almost like it was just sort of jumbled. It was a little weird. Yeah, you heard, um, I, I believe, on the on the program itself, uh, you know, if you isolated just that area, mm-hmm. you heard, as you, as you looped it, you heard more come. And then you heard, in a very slight echo, have more, and then it was have more come. So It was almost like it was repeating? Or, yeah, or, I, I've yeah. never heard of that. Well, uh, unfortunately uh, for you guys, keep going into this location. But like I said, I mean, it, it, it would have to be something of an inhuman nature, I would think, to be able to just draw that kind of energy constantly to yeah. keep well, repeating. I mean, just to have been able to get this many, uh, this, as many EVPs as we had gotten just within, you know, two investigations. Yeah, we got a lot. We, we had about 12. Well, I was waiting for you. That's why. Yeah, yeah. 12. I mean, that's, I mean... I've heard I've heard of getting several after several investigations. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Patty Starr out in Kentucky, mm-hmm. who uh, well, I've admired a lot of her work in itself. And uh, and she'd she'd gone to a lot of the tuberculosis places, uh, the old closed down tuberculosis hospitals, and gotten several of them. But after several investigations, well, I mean, some places though, it's you know if, if there is spirit activity. It, it, I'm sure it depends on the strength of the activity and, and how frequent you can get these EVPs. I mean, some people will say that you can go to a, a cemetery that's highly active and get one every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, definitely. Because it just has, you know, a high concentration. Of, and, you know, like hospitals, things of that nature. I mean, there's a lot of death involved, so it's understandable. But you would think, uh, it being a former abuse shelter, that you wouldn't really want to have the same rate of death that you would have uh, yeah. in, a, in a hospital. So, yeah, I mean, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that it was so much uh, rate of death, but possibly just uh, other, uh, other areas basically having association with it. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to have so many, you know, former humans uh, that are tied into that place after they've passed on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely stems from the generally 
so much trauma being imprinted on the place, almost acting as a beacon and then attracting all this. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's uh, if it's not human. Yes, definitely. A big battery of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually got, there were more of the EVPs that we got that were uh, even stranger. Um, uh, we got on the second investigation, our plan, you know, since we had those three laps the first time, mm-hmm. was to basically see if, you know, that was really going on. You know, if we could get this thing, you know, to react again, because it was obviously laughing at us. And, you know, during provocation, um, you know, we were trying so hard to get this thing to, you know, actually show itself and that, you know. And I was listening to the whole provocation part, um, and you actually hear it one part, just about the same laugh. You hear it giggle, but then it growls. Yeah, sort of a ha-ha-ha, grr, kind of, it was really weird. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I hate to say that's where we're going to have to leave off with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've listened to the show before, and apparently when too much mention is made, equipment kind of goes on the fritz. Well, that's, yeah. uh, that's bon- that already happened, actually. We already had, uh, <laughs> already had the digital recorders go off earlier, so uh, the, online, <laughs> the online version will be missing a few minutes. But uh, we want to thank uh, Chris Yergler and Jeff Boots from the Southland Paranormal Society for joining us. Okay. Guys, just keep us up to date on everything that you have going on down there, and uh, just shoot us an email. Whenever, I mean, you know how hard it is to get us on the phone. <laughs> so just shoot us an email anytime you got anything going on, and uh, we'll get in touch. And uh, we're going to take a quick news break here. On the other side, we're going to continue talking about EVPs with members of New England Paranormal Video Research Group, uh, who also are, are uh, fans of Keith Johnson as well. And uh, we will talk to them about some of their EVP work in the state of Connecticut and also some of the work they did with our EVP as well. Uh, We will find out some new information that they have for us on the one that they cleaned up and some of the other things that they've investigated as well. So, uh, and Chris and Jeff, uh, thank you so much for joining us on a on a Saturday night, and uh, you know we wish you the best of luck out there and and stay safe. All right, thank you, thank you guys. The supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, does it? AM 1420 WBSN presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg, science advisor Matt Moniz to my left, super producer Matt Costa to the right, and uh, we had a great, interesting discussion with the Southland Paranormal Society out of Florida, Chris Yergler, Jeff Boots, two guys that, you know, when they first contacted me, I was like, gee, how did you guys hear about me? And of course, the key being Keith Johnson. Uh, These these guys were... uh, in contact with Keith and told Keith about some of the interesting EVPs that they had had. And so uh, he reviewed them and he forwarded them our information and said, you know, you might want to get in touch with Spooky South Coast. So we thank Keith for that. And if you have any evidence that you have that you'd like Keith and his group New England Anomalies Research to look over, you can visit them at www.near.s5.com. And, of course, you can go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. You'll find the sign-up information 
to get to South Coast Learning's webpage. So you can sign up for Keith's Ghost Hunting 101 course, which is returning to the city of New Bedford at the South Coast Learning Building July 28th. Uh, Carl and his, uh, Keith and his twin brother Carl, as well as Keith's wife Sandra, will be there to teach you all about the differences. I mean, you hear us just spouting stuff off. You know, you hear us say inhuman, human, intelligent haunting. And, you know, and to, to go through it each week and to explain, you know, it would be a, a long and repetitive process. So if you need to learn some of this stuff, I highly recommend taking Keith's class. It's $25 for South Coast Learning members, $35 for non members. Well worth it just for the evidence that they show you alone. It's it, it was a two hour, the fastest two hours I've ever spent in a classroom, that's for sure. Both, they're very intelligent, very articulate teachers as well. And it's not a class that you go in where it's, uh, you know, lecture, lecture, lecture. It's very interactive. It's very laid back. I mean, Keith and Carl, they're two funny guys. Mm. And, and when they start playing off each other and just telling some of these stories, you know, you realize that it doesn't have to be this tense, dramatic, you know, thing that it is. Like if you watch Ghost Hunters through the wonders of editing, they make it seem like the entire investigation is just so intense and, you know, any moment something's going to jump out and grab you. And, you know, in actuality, there's a lot of mundaneness to some of these investigations too. Some of this evidence doesn't even show itself until the review stages later on. So it's a really good uh, way to find out a little bit more about ghost hunting. And if you can't get to one of Keith's classes, if you're listening to us from, I don't know, maybe Malta, who uh, joined us this week for the first time, thank you. If I spoke Maltese, I would thank you in that language, but the only Maltese I know is the Falcon. And then, you know, maybe we can put together something if people are interested. Maybe we can put together, I don't know, a DVD uh, with like a course manual, get some of these these people together to, to work on something for, for the people out there that want to learn a little bit more. So, but for right now, we're going to learn you a little bit more news, what we like to call the Week in Weird. Our first story here, it's not really so much of a, a weird news story as much as it is a little bit of a remembrance. Uh, for those who are familiar with the Amityville horror case, you'll know about George Lutz. He was the man who purchased the home immediately after the DeFeo killings. You know, he was the first owner after those killings. And he was the subject of the, his family was the subject of the book by Jay Anson and the subsequent two films that followed the, you know, the original and the remake of the original. Then they got a little bit crazier with the sequels. I remember one of them was about a clock from the original house. When they, when they start, you know, going back to leftover relics from the original house for storylines, I think that's when they need to hang it up. But anyway, George Lutz, uh, whose brief stay in an Amityville, New York home spawned one of the most famous haunted cases ever, has died of natural causes. He was 59 years old. The Clark County coroner in Las Vegas listed Lutz's cause of death as heart disease. Uh, he became famous after moving with his new bride, Kathy, and three children into a three-story Dutch colonial on Long Island in 1975, about a year after six members of the DeFeo family had been shot and killed in their home. Ronald DeFeo Jr., the eldest son, was convicted of the murders. Uh, and for those who have read the book or seen the movie, there was some sort of driving force uh, located in a secret room in the basement, some sort of presence that was telling him to do this. So the, the book and movies chronicled the Lutz family's horrors in suburbia, including visions of walls oozing slime, moving furniture, a visit from a demonic pig named Jody, 
spontaneous levitation, and probably the part that creeped me out the most, it was in the book, I don't think it was in the movie, the marching band that would wake them up every morning at 3 a.m., you know, the demonic hour, the hour of where all this activity usually occurs. Every morning they would wake up to a marching band playing through their living room. I mean, that's just, that would creep me out more than anything. And, of course, over the, over the years, Lutz has become a bit of a cult figure uh, because not only did he bear a creepy resemblance to Ronald DeFeo, uh, but some people say that he, you know, tried to profit off, off this, that he bought the house with the sole intention of creating a hoax to try to make himself a little bit money, a little bit of money. But Lutz claimed to have only made... 300,000 off the tail, uh, you know, in the 30 years since it happened. So, you know, $300,000, kind of a paltry sum considering the millions of dollars that have been made off this case over the years. So, so George Lutz, uh, dead at the age of 59, and of course, Kathy Lutz passed away about a year ago as well. So, you know, I think uh, what we're going to find out any more of that situation is uh, now on the other side. So, uh,. Matt Moniz, uh, we have a couple of interesting UFO-related stories this week. And uh, one of them that I would like you to pay particular attention to uh, involves scientists and what they believe might be the real signature of alien life. All right. Uh, This comes to us from the uh, Telegraph in the U.K., uh, scientists working on a defense intelligence inquiry said they have solved the mystery of unidentified flying objects. After a four-year study, they concluded that most sightings could be explained by a little-known atmospheric phenomenon. The study was originally conclu- concluded in the year 2000, but was only released last week after a Freedom of Information Act request forced it out into the open. Scientists at the Defense Intelligence Staff, part of the Ministry of Defense, reportedly described how glowing plasmas of gas were created by by charges of electricity. Uh, The airflows then sculpted the plasma into aerodynamic shapes, which appeared to fly at extraordinary speeds through the sky. Uh, The researchers were emphatic that UFOs did not come from alien civilizations, but equally did not dismiss those who claimed to have seen them as uh, fanaticists or hoaxers in the the newspaper set. Instead, they said such plasma could play tricks on the mind, creating vivid impressions. They noted that local electromagnetic fields have been uh, medically proven to cause responses in the temporal lobes of the brain. As a result, people who thought they had seen the UFO were instead suffering from a extended memory retention and repeated experiences included by the plasmas. So now the Ministry of Defense over in the UK has been sitting on this since 2000 and and only through the Freedom of Information Act did it get released. So they would have been happy to keep sit, sitting on this for as long as they could. Now, wouldn't you think if they had come to the conclusion that the UFO phenomena was not real, that they would have released that information right away? One would think. But, uh, you know, the rest of that theory is fraught with holes. I mean, what, what, what would be the reasoning for sitting on it if you thought you could shut it down? Uh, well, they're probably thinking of uh, security issues, the information that they're using to gather the intelligence, the equipment used and stuff like that, you know, could, you know. So by releasing it, they would be, you know, it's one thing to have the conclusion, but they'd be jeopardizing the way that they came to that Obtained the information, yeah. Well, I don't buy it. 
Neither do I. Uh, especially where the UK has been fraught with UFO sightings over recent months. Uh, I think this is a little bit too convenient. <laughs> well, I mean, espe especially though it's been heating up yeah. the last couple of months, and uh, I, I think that this is just well-timed, um, I don't want to say propaganda, but a little bit of a spin, a little bit of disinformation. So a little bit of a strange occurrence here in the week in Weird. We have a, uh, a call coming in. That might, that might be Keith, so why don't we just hold on a moment. All right, Matt, you have uh, some interesting ideas here for how to get away with some stuff here. Yes, from the uh, Associated Press in Tucson, Arizona. A Jamaican man was sentenced to 13 months in prison for surgically replacing his fingerprints in an attempt to enter the United States illegally. 41-year-old Mark Terrence George was sentenced Thursday after pleading guilty in a federal court to illegal entry after deportation. Authorities said George had replaced his fingerprints with skin from his feet. While attempting to come through the port of entry in Nogales, Arizona, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers noticed something strange about George's fingers. Reports say George cut the skin off his toes and replaced the skin from his fingertips. George was, will first be extradited to New Jersey to face charges of money laundering and then will, then will be deported following his prison time in Arizona. Well, you know, I can't imagine cutting off my toe skin and putting it on my finger, but when you do it, can't you just look at it and be like, uh, how can you sit there and be like, yeah, they're definitely going to buy this one? What if you had athletes' feet? Well, then you'd have athletes' hands, but I, I think that would be the least of his problems now. I mean, now you have no skin on your toes. You know, Imagine every time you blow your nose. Oh. Smell like feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he's built backwards. Maybe his maybe. nose runs and his feet smell. But it's just, I don't know, some of the strange things that people come up with to try to bypass, uh, especially borders, it, it's in, we could do a whole show on that. And maybe we will. Well, just one thing we're going to touch on real quick, and then we're going to get back into the EVP discussion. USC scientists think the real signature of alien life may be nitrogen, not water. Astrobiologists hunting for life in outer space may be looking for the wrong clues. While conventional wisdom suggests that evidence of water is the most important sign of past or present extraterrestrial life, an article published in last week's issue of Science suggests that organic nitrogen may actually be a better indicator. Because of its ability to dissolve and recombine elementary material, water has long been considered the starting point for determining the feasibility of life on a certain planet. Research indicates underground water once existed on Mars and may even still be there. Jupiter's moon Europa and Saturn's moon Enceladus Okay. May both hide oceans under a frozen surface. Each of these discoveries has provoked excitement and speculation about the possibility of finding waterborne life. But water indicates only that an environment friendly to life may exist. Finding water does not prove anything conclusively about the evolution and progress of life. Nitrogen, on the other hand, is an ingredient of life, one of the building blocks in the protein and nucleic acids from which all life on Earth is made. Its appearance on a planet is difficult to explain if life similar to ours is not also present, according to the authors of this article. Currently, nitrogen has not been discovered in great quantities on Mars, but evidence suggests it may have been present in the ancient past of the Red Planet. Uh, they are not convinced that life ever existed on Mars in the article, though, but they do say that there needs to be a greater emphasis on assessing nitrogen levels there while still keeping track of the aquatic evidence. And, of course... NASA is uh, in the beginning stages of a massive program 
that will allow for manned visits to Mars. Uh, I believe it was by 2018 was the... 2017, yeah. So that's uh, when they hope to get somebody out there. They had some setbacks on the first uh, module that they plan on getting out there, but... You know they'll they'll figure it out because you know this is this is President George W. Bush's Kennedy moment. You know we will put a man on Mars, and then while he's there, we'll tap his phone while he's gone. Okay, well we're going to take a, a quick break before I get political, and on the other side we're going to talk to these uh, members of the New England Paranormal Video Research Group about their EVPs that they've captured and the work they've done on ours as well. So stay tuned in five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. 508-291-0500. Give us a call. We'll uh, stay on the line. We won't say anything for a few minutes, and we'll see if any spirits can make their voices heard. Be back in a moment. Don't look now, but spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. I like the light. It's alive! This is Frankenstein. That way! And we're back here on Spooky South Coast, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, if you want to join in on the conversation. And remember, you can get us all week long at SpookySouthCoast.com, where you can download the show, at least what we'll have of it up there, and you can find out about upcoming guests and talk back to us directly on our message board. You can also visit us on www.myspace.com slash spooky south coast if you'd like to reach us there and you know we need all the friends we can get so please do now joining us on the line we have from the new england paranormal video research group you can visit their website www.nepvrg.com and if you go there you can hear all the evps that we're going to play for you and talk about we have matthew sinsigali and patrick silver the two co-founders of nepvrg Good evening, guys. How are you? Good. How you doing? And uh, we wanted to have you guys on because last week we uh, we played, or two weeks ago, we played our EVP that we captured at the Ellis Bowl Cemetery, and you guys uh, took it and did some cleanup work for it. Yeah, we did. Um, used uh, Adobe Audition, the 2.0. We used mm-hmm. to clean it up. A um, couple simple steps with it. Um, mainly nothing too much, just some uh, filters and noise reduction and hiss and pop and click eliminators and stuff like that. And is, and is this something that uh, you guys were trained in or something that you figured out on your own? No, I just uh, just began experimenting with it on my own and uh, just learned what works best. And uh, why don't we play, if Matt uh, has it ready, we'll play the original EVP that we captured now. You'll hear a female voice, and again, uh, I'll say it again, there was no female present. It was just Matt Coss and myself. This cemetery is in a very remote location. 
So there's no way that somebody could be, you know, there playing a trick on us. So we uh, we will play that EVP for you, and you can hear it. And we're not going to tell you what what's being said because uh, of the work Matthew did. He can uh, tell you what he was able to do when he cleaned it up. And so when you heard that, I mean, what did you think about it? I mean, we, we've we heard EVPs before. Uh, when I was listening to it, I had headphones on uh, when I was reviewing it. And as soon as I heard it, I just threw the headphones down, and I was like, I'm never listening to that again. <laughs> and about a half a beat later, I picked the headphones back up. Yeah. it's um, Well, you can definitely tell that there was a voice. And, like, roughly with the headphones on that I was listening to, I could tell that it was, it almost seemed like a female origin voice which is, you know, you guys say you guys were the only ones there, so obviously there wasn't a female there. So, yeah, I mean, you can tell with Adobe Audition, they, um, you can actually track the, the hertz range mm-hmm. of the voice. And that hertz range, I believe, of the voice was about 818.7, I think. And, like, my voice range is uh, five, like 529. Uh, 0.5 hertz, so it, it was definitely it's not in the normal human voice range, hmm. which is which that can count it out as uh, as you know like a human factor. Maybe someone was talking when they weren't supposed to, or something like that. So by that range, you can tell that it was not uh, being spoken aloud at the time. Um, well, you kind of you can get a you can get a guesstimate of it. Um, I'm sure uh, Matt Moon, it's, he, you know he's pretty knowledgeable with that stuff with uh you know the hertz and all that stuff i'm not all that too familiar with mm-hmm. it well, but i do know like my wife's uh voice range is like 2.29 hertz it, uh guys i just i just need to ask if you can just separate a little bit because we're getting a little bit of an echo back in the phones okay if sorry possible. about that oh no problem mo- just we want to make sure that we're hearing you and not something trying to come through your cell phone yeah so I'm sorry, Matt Moniz, you were going to say? Yeah, uh, the hertz range that you're talking about, roughly about 5.5 being average, um, that has to do with the frequency, the height of the wave. The lower the number, the um, higher the frequency, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So normally when you uh, do these, these, yeah, we're getting a lot of echo back on your cell phones, guys. Okay, I'll step outside. Well, we are in a big... Uh, Empty house. Well, we should right point now. out you are you are in the middle of an investigation. Yeah, we are we are we're actually we're actually setting up right now as we speak. Okay, we're kind of trying to do two things at once, <laughs> and I'm in that tip top attic right now. He's downstairs below. So if you hear a couple noises here and there, that's just us setting some equipment. Yeah, up. the only problem is the echo is kind of making it so we can't really hear you at all. So you can't hear me very well right now. It, it's as it echoes back, we. All we hear is the echo, so it's hard to distinguish what you're saying. Okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll work through it. Work better for you? Yes, excellent. Okay. All right. It, it, you know, like I said, it's probably just the spirits trying to cause a little trouble. Yeah. Now, so you sent us uh, the cleaned-up versions of the EVP. Now, the the first one we'd like to play is just you guys clear, cleaned it up. Uh, you, you took out just what was being said. Um, so if we'll just give Matt a second to get that ready. Basically, like you said, you just ran it through the filters, cleaned it up. I mean, we tried to clean it up as best we could, too, but we're working with uh, Sony Acid, 
which yeah. is the program that we use to create the MP3 files uh, to post on the Internet. So with that, you, you're kind of limited, at least in the free version that I downloaded. You're a little bit limited in what it is that you can do uh, in terms of increasing the sound quality. And So with, with a program like uh, Audition, I mean, it must give you a lot more flexibility with just everything, volume. Oh, yeah. Um, gives you, you can amplify, you can amplify it by six times, ten times. Um, I mean, pretty much that's your choice on how much you amplify it. Um, of course, the standard noise and hiss reduction. Um, that's usually where you get the metallic, the metallic sounding. If you ever heard any of the EVPs, the really metallic sounding in the background? Mm-hmm. That's where you get that from, is like the noise and the hiss reduction. Now, and not to get too technical for people, but isn't the Adobe Audition just the updated version of the former Audacity program? Um, I believe so. I know what I used to use was Adobe Audition 1.5, and then they went to Adobe Audition 2.0, and that's what I use now. And, and what does one of these programs run you? Um, I think it's generally around 150 to $200. Yeah, so you have to really be... You know, dedicated to doing this and to focusing on EVPs to, to spend that kind of money. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't we try to play that, just the cleaned up and amplified version here. Do we have a, this is a little bit low quality, but if we try one more time. Okay, so that's the, uh, the cleaned up and a little bit better sounding one. And, um... One of the things that you guys do with these EVPs is you try to reverse them, and you see what you can hear if you play them backwards. You've had a lot yeah. of success with that technique. Um, sometimes it depends. It's really it really varies. Um, a lot of times, if we get something that doesn't make sense, then you know it it just by chance play in reverse, and sometimes you know it's hit or miss. Well, yeah, that was an interesting uh, story right there. Is that uh, we were doing an investigation, and we had been there for about three hours and uh, not gotten much of anything. A little noise here or there, but something that we could totally uh, just push away as maybe house settling of some sort, even though it was approximately about 15 feet away from us that it happened. And we were in the building by ourselves. So uh, we decided to take a break and let the uh, audio and video equipment just run. And uh, nothing happened for the rest of the night. We went home. We reviewed everything the next day, and I caught something on the uh, audio. And I couldn't make it out and uh, handed it over to Matt, and uh, Matt at first couldn't, uh, couldn't figure out what it was. And uh, the next day he came to me and he said, you got to hear this. And I said, what? What did you do to it? And he said, I just decided to play it, play it backwards. And I said, okay. And we, we listened to it, and uh, it was pretty crazy. You could totally uh, make it out. It says, uh, get out or get help, one of the two. Well, uh, we have both of those, so what we'll do is we'll try to play for you, like you said, the first one that you heard something, but you couldn't quite make anything out, and then we can follow it up with what happened when you played it backwards. So here's the, uh, if you have it ready, Matt, here's the uh, first one, the kind of the nonsensical one. So really, you couldn't really make anything out with that, but then you guys took it and you reversed it, and so here's what you could hear once you played it backward. You gotta do that one more time because that's just incredible. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Oh, completely! Yeah. It finally uh, 
started to make a little sense to us uh, what was going on because it was definitely something that we considered a voice. I mean, it was an empty building, so we didn't know uh, what to make of it at first, but uh, we do believe that uh, it is saying something when it's fully reversed. What was the building you were in? What was the history of the building? Uh, well, the, the, the history we can't go too much into for well, we, uh, we can talk in generalities i i didn't share with matt Moniz before he came on the air but uh, i d- had discussed it with it, it's another case that needs to remain anonymous so but we can talk in generalities in generalities it's a building that is no longer uh used as a residency uh but it used to be used as a residency years ago and uh what we found so far and we are uh delving deeper into it uh we have a couple people that work with us that are looking into uh into uh, exact histories. We do have a name to go with it, but uh, what we did find is that uh, that there's a fan, couple of uh, pictures that we've come across of uh, family that used to live in here where there were uh, children involved in living in this house. And then uh, in the span of a three-year gap, one of the uh, children is no longer present in the family dwelling. Okay. Is the building wood, brick, metal structure? Um, uh, brick. Yeah. It's brick building. Um, we would guess from the either late 1800s or early 1900s. Um, the building sits on a large span of property. Um, it actually had maybe two, three other houses and an old carriage house that was uh, that was belonged to the property at one time. All right. One further question. Is the cellar made of a granite type of foundation, granite stone foundation? He's going to go through process of elimination until he figures out the exact address, I think. (laughs) (laughs) The the outside foundation down that leads down to the basement has been redone, so that's cement. The basement, I believe, um, was re-poured into cement, but they do have the old coal room with the coal chutes from when they used to have the big coal boilers down here. Okay, I wouldn't be surprised if you found that the foundation is actually sitting on quartz. Yeah, um, I don't know. We can't tell because it's behind. Uh, as I said, the outside of the foundation has actually been um, cased. Yeah, redone with cement. All right, well, we're going to try and play the reversed version of our EVP, uh, but we are having a little bit of trouble getting it loud enough. So uh, bear with us here. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to make out. We'll put it up on the website. Uh, they were kind enough to send it to us, so we'll put it up on the website uh, tomorrow, and you'll be able to hear it a little bit better. I mean, it's it's a huge difference. You there can... is. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. There is. Um, I posted two versions of it that were really cleaned up, that almost eliminated all the background noise. They're mm-hmm. on our website now. Yeah, if you go to um, nepvrg.com, you can check that out right away. And uh, we'll we'll try to make it a little bit more easier as well on our site. But uh, really, I mean, you can clearly make out the name Mary. Yeah, and that's, and that's my apologies. I thought that maybe you could pull them off of my website. Um, so I'll send them to you tomorrow, and uh, you can add them in there. But they're oh. really cleaned up. They sound really good. Yeah, we were able to get them. We were just having some, some problems here getting the volume up on them. Really? Some, some of the EVPs are playing. Some of them aren't. But, hey, that's to be expected, I guess. Yeah, that's. Dealing with the paranormal. So now, uh, your own EVPs that you've captured, uh, you you had some interesting um, encounters at, uh, uh, we'll see how 
deep we can go into this without revealing too much, but an investigation of a seminary? Yes. Um, it was a seminary around the Hartford area. Um, from what we know, which we cannot prove, unfortunately, because the Catholic Church um, really does not delve too far into it, um, that there was at least five, I believe, five exorcisms conducted on five different people that were successful there. And uh, now, um, Matt, you conducted a, a preliminary EVP sweep on your own? Yes, I was uh, walking the basement. Um, I was just down there and did a couple tests, you know, testing EVP seminary, and uh, I let it record. I asked the question. That was the first time I decided to try to use religious provocation, and uh, probably one of the last times, as for now, until we get an actual demonologist, you know, like Keith or Carl Johnson. <laughs> Well, I mean, not like one of them in our group, but, you know, someone more knowledgeable, well, more experienced in that side of the field. Well, may I recommend uh, John Zaffis, who happens to live in Connecticut, and he's in more local to your area. Yep, he's uh, he's Warren's nephew, isn't he? One of the Warren's right. nephews? Yes. Yeah. It, you, have you guys been in contact with John? Actually, um, we have. Uh, I talked to him almost uh, four or five months ago. Nothing related to what we're doing, but uh, I did speak to him. Uh well, he just gave a seminar around here. He's on a little bit of a book tour right now, so <laughs> he's a hard man to get a hold of right now. But we can put you in touch with him, uh, you know, to to definitely have him give you a little bit more information. There's also a gentleman in New York City who is a New York City police officer by the name of Ralph Sarchi. Uh, he is also a student of Ed and Lorraine Warren and worked closely with John Zaffis at the same time that he was training to be a demonologist. So he's also very uh, a very good resource. He put out a book, Beware the Night. And if anybody actually out there has a way to get in contact with Ralph Sarchi, we're trying to we're trying to get in touch with him. So please pass our information on to him. But maybe you guys could track him down, and uh, he could help you out as well. Yeah, definitely. In fact, uh, with the same place in the seminary, uh, co-founder Patrick had his own experience down there when he was down there too. I'm sure he can uh, delve a little bit into that. Oh, completely. Um, should have never went down there alone, that's for sure. But uh, after what I heard uh, Matt had got, I decided to go there myself. And and unfortunately, Matt couldn't make it. Uh, he was tied up on other business. But uh, So I decided to go down there and check the area out by myself. And uh, we also, nothing near what he had gotten on, uh, on audio. But uh, I definitely went down there to uh, see if I could... Uh, get any kind of response like Matt could. I didn't use any religious provocation, but uh, I did uh, try to provoke some kind of response, and uh, I, I believe that it responded in its own way. And that's also uh, on audio on an EVP. I don't know if you have those. Did, did you get those from us? Uh, which Now, which one are you referring to? Uh, I don't believe it's on our website yet. Um, it would just be labeled poltergeist activity, if yeah. anything. Because I, I don't, I don't think that we acquired that one from you. Uh, the the one that I did want to get back to is the one from the seminary. Yeah. Okay, and then I'll follow up on what uh, what happened okay. about a week later too. All right, let's let's play that one from the seminary first. We make sure we get it in before we run out of time here. Sure. A little bit at the beginning. Testing, testing, seminary. Testing one two three EVPs seminary. In the name of Jesus, I command you to 
So if you could if you could hear that and and you guys categorize that on your website as a class A EVP, which for anybody that knows classifications, that would be a class A EVP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I would say so. That was pretty much our 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 bookmark for uh, you know for us. That was our first major major find, I'd say. And uh, Matt Costa and I were actually going over that one a little bit earlier before the show, and he had some questions for you uh, just about the recording process of capturing that one. Sure. <clears throat> I was just wondering, um, in your voice, it seemed like that it was at a different tone at the beginning than at the end. Yeah. I was just wondering if there was some sort of uh, like microphone play involved. Did you have your mic kind of out of your mouth when you were talking and then extended it, or...? Um, no, I believe, uh, if anything, I think it was me just being a little bit nervous down there alone and knowing the history of it. <laughs> um, other than that, I might have, I honestly can't recall. Um, usually when I do, yes, I do usually talk towards the, towards the, or the microphone and then I'll point it away from me trying to get a response. Mm -hmm. Um, it just sounded like, uh, earlier on when you say in the name of Jesus, that sounds a little bit lower than when you're like, I, you know, I, I command you to tell me your name. So it yeah. just seemed like it was a little bit of uh, fluctuation in volume. So we weren't sure if that was from the process of cleaning it, if you just boosted the, the amplification closer to the end, or if it was, you know, a, a microphone placement issue. Yeah, we did moderate cleaning on it. Um, and like when I, when I said in the name of Jesus, I command you to tell me your name. That was my first time using religious provocation, so I was more, you know, nervous about, you know, what am I going to get out of this, you know, <laughs> what am I getting myself into with this, you know, because sometimes, as we all know, stuff can follow you home, and I have wife and daughter at home that I don't want that to happen to. I don't blame you guys. Now, do you realize that in a possession case or any type of inhuman haunting, the first thing that a demonologist or an exorcist will try to do is get the entity, whatever you want to call it, to give its name. That is the first step you must maintain in order to get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. So when it refuses to give a name, that that should throw up a little red flag to you. Oh, yeah. It to it, yes, it totally did. We were, uh, in, uh, as as he told me, he uh, he didn't even hear it when it was happening. It was only when he had left and reviewed the tape. And I do believe that uh, he taped that on a cassette recorder, so that's why we had to uh, enhance the uh, the sound a little bit. And if it was something inhuman, that would kind of go along with the history, the alleged history of what happened with the exorcisms. Yeah, which that we can't be too sure because I don't think that the the church would be too forthcoming with uh, any evidence of that. I mean, it's unfortunately it's one of those cases where, you know, you kind of have to rely on the, the legend, you know, just these stories that are passed along from, you know, the previous generations. And you know, maybe when you get in touch with some of these demonologists, they might be familiar with some stuff that might have happened there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's it's a old seminary. I'm not exactly sure the date when it was built, um, but it's pretty amazing history. I think the the good thing now is with the focus on exorcisms in the Catholic Church now, there might be a little bit more information available, you know, in the future. Yeah. But uh, in terms of anything that happened, you know, prior to the the current Pope's uh, tenure, I don't think there'll be a lot of uh, 
secrets revealed anytime soon. Yeah. But the uh, the week after when Patrick went down there, um, he also had another interesting thing. We caught that on audio too. We'll just um I'll just have to post it on the website. I'm sure he can he can tell you about that quickly. Yeah, when I went down there a week later to uh check the same area, I had asked Matt exactly where he was when uh when he went when he went by himself and he told me the exact spot where he was. So a week later I uh I went by myself with a uh with a digital uh, audio device, and I, I went to the same exact spot. And uh, basically, uh, what I did, and you'll hear it later when we send it to you, is uh, I basically challenged it. I said to it that you know, a week ago, uh, my friend came down here and asked you in the Lord's name to reveal your name, and you refused to. And I'm here standing by myself, asking you the same. Tell, give me a sign that you're here. And at first nothing happened, and then, and then I, I more boldly said to it, uh, I command you to tell me your name. And that's when the whole hall, the, it's a long hallway, has, has a lot of echo like the house that we're in right now. And there's probably maybe in that hallway 12 wooden doors that were all shut and that were all locked. And, uh, the moment I commanded it to tell me its name, all 12 doors just started rattling and shaking. The the uh, pipes above me started swaying back and forth. And uh, that's when I kind of knew that maybe I shouldn't be in here by myself. I can imagine, and, yeah. And, 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 and as it started, and it was a pr- it's a pretty long walk to get out of that building in the spot that, that we were both in at separate times. And uh, the moment I decided that maybe it's time for me to go since I'm by myself here, uh, that's when uh, it got more aggressive, and the, and the doors looked, they looked, and they sounded like they were just going to come off their hinges. And so, were, how many how many times have you gone in alone since? Um, that was it. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Well, well, we go in there, uh, but we don't go back down to that spot. Mm-hmm. That's well, especially alone either. No, well, not alone. We'll, we're definitely planning this summer on. Uh, I'm going back down there to that to that area uh, with a couple more people and a couple some more equipment. We didn't have any of our real equipment like we do tonight when we uh, went down there. It was kind of just on a on a whim of uh, last minute decision. Hey, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop in there. I, I, and, I don't I don't know what your faith is, but you might also consider bringing some uh, some religious relics as well. Oh yeah! Every uh, investigation that I go on, I got holy water, and I have my rosary, and uh, also from when I was in Iraq, I have a, uh, a medallion that they gave us, a hundred and first medallion that I wear also. So and it Scream won't hurt. An eagle. Yeah, yep, of an eagle. Hurrah. It won't hurt to bring a couple demonologists as well. I think we have a, a call for you here too. So, good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Hi, it's Keith again. Hi, Keith. We were just talking about demonologists. Yeah. What a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, if you could hear these gentlemen talking about what happened to them down in the lower levels of that seminary. Yes, uh, pretty spooky stuff there. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, Keith? Good to see you. Good to talk to again. you. They're, they're very brave. I, I think they might have what it takes to become demonologists. Yeah, I would say so. And uh, they they have a very smart protocol in that they don't go alone, you know, because that that's uh, very, very important not to go alone. They always go with somebody. So I think that's very, very important. Well, because they learn their lesson, that's why. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, uh, touch, touch it in a tie. You don't touch it again. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's true. Now, and Keith, would this be uh, something you'd be interested in investigating in the future? Sounds like very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely be interested in investigating that. And now, uh, when you first, Keith, when you first encountered something inhuman, uh, how did you first know? I knew because it was just a feeling that you're you're being drawn. Well, I had used re religious provocation, mm -hmm. and that was the first time I'd used religious provocation. And uh, I just sensed that there was something uh, demonic in this house that I was in. I used religious provocation, and things started going haywire. I actually used it by accident. I wasn't trying to draw something out. I was simply giving advice to the family on how to protect themselves. And then uh, things started going. Activity started up in the room. Um, a window got shut, slammed very, very hard. A girl got slapped on the side of her head. And uh, so I just kept praying, and it just went right out of the room. So there was no doubt in my mind that I was facing the demonic right there. And and you faced the demonic pretty much in your first investigation. Yes, yes, I did. And it sounds like that's pretty much what's happening to Matt and Patrick as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that um, does sound like it. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it at all. Yeah, in fact, we'll be. Uh, I'll be seeing you June second, third, and fourth. I'll be going up to uh, Warwick, Rhode Island, to visit you guys again. Excellent. That's great. Yeah. Great to see you. Yeah, they're having a an, another weekend where. Uh, they're going to have some different aspects of ghost hunting. And, of course, Keith is coming back to New Bedford on July 28th for his course yes. here again. So and we remind everybody, southcoastlearning.org, or you can go to Keith's site, uh, www.near.s5.com, and sign up through there as well. That's correct. So now, uh, I mean, just knowing that that's into the, in that building, uh, how do you go back in there when you know that there's something that's clearly inhuman, that's clearly demonic in nature. How, how, how do you prepare yourself mentally and physically to go back into that house, uh, into that seminary? Um, partly with, with my religious beliefs being brought up Catholic, I say, you know, a little prayer before I go in, um, because uh, fortunately it's a place that I have to visit quite frequently. Um, and while I'm in there, you know, I just kind of do my thing. I don't, you know, try to think of, you know, what might happen. And when I leave there, I, I have holy water, and I actually, you know, make the sign of the cross and, and you know, ask that nothing follows me home or nothing follows me out of the dwelling. Now, do the, uh, the priest... It's part of the job. <laughs> the... It's pretty much the bottom line on it. It's part of the job. If we're expecting nothing to happen, then, I mean, it's kind of a waste of time to uh, go to a place if you're not ready to, uh, to have something happen. It, it, you got to be you got to be ready on every single case that you go on. I mean, I as anybody that. does this knows that you could you spend hours and hours and hours of audio and video and and taking your time out and and nothing ever happens, but sometimes it does, and that's when when you feel good about the time that you put into it. And the the priests uh, that are in charge of the seminary are they aware of this presence? Um, not to my knowledge, I haven't formally brought um, brought up to them our findings from there. They knew that we were there, but we didn't bring it up to them. Uh, how do you think it would be taken if you did reveal it to them? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> that depends it, on the priest, I would yeah. say. <laughs> but, but, Keith, would you agree that maybe they need to know, considering it is a, a place of religious teaching and reflection, that if there is a negative force like that present, they, they should be made aware? I think it would help to bring it to their attention, yes. 
and you know, the attack fully brought to their attention. And then maybe you know maybe once you mention it, that's when the floodgates open a little bit, and they say, "Well, you know, it's funny you should mention that." Yeah, that's very true. That's very very likely. And would yeah. would exorcism maybe be? I mean, just preliminary guessing, would exorcism be a, a route you could go here? That's very possible. You know, it would depend on the priest, how they feel about it. But, uh, yeah, that, that certainly could be one avenue to have an entire blessing of the place. But in, in your in your opinion, that would be the, the way to go? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so, a total religious cleansing of the place, yes. And it might be worth, uh, it might be worth bringing up only because, you know, being of faith, it, they might just say, hey, if you want to walk around and bless the place, that's cool with us. Very yeah, possible, yeah. It's only just a little bit more positive energy for them, so. Right. There's yeah. one thing I always say when entering into these situations. I always quote the psalmist, David. I say, touch not my prophets, nor do my anointed ones harm. And that's that's my one of my prayers of protection whenever entering into a situation like this. Touch not my prophets, nor do my anointed ones harm. Yeah. The only have thing... a strong protection. The only thing I fear, only I mean, and we're we're coming up just about on the close of the show. But the one thing that I do fear is that being a seminary, being a place where young, impressionable priests are just starting out in their studies, I have just a fear that whatever is present there is trying to work against that. Well, you know, that's exactly why a demonic presence would be drawn into a place like that. That's exactly it. You hit the nail in the head. That's why yeah. those places are. Just wants to cut off, cut off faith at the knees. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking that, or maybe um, it is one of the spirits that was exercised out of someone. Maybe for some reason, somehow, it's it's trapped there in and the it, dwelling. It's come back. Yes, right. Uh, no, either way, it's just it's it's clearly negative to exactly have have had that kind of effect on you. Well, well, guys, we thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having us. And we'll we'll get we'll have you on again sometime when you're not in the middle of an investigation and we're pulling you away from work. Oh, that's okay. So, uh, and again, if you want to check out their site, www.nepvrg.com, the New England Paranormal Video Research Group, you can get some of their EVPs there. It sounds like they're getting some EVPs now, and uh, and you can check out their information there, and then uh, we'll also post them up on our website, spookysouthcoast.com. And we'll send you some of that uh, stuff that we were talking about that you didn't get tonight. We'll send you some of that uh, over the weekend, and you can take a look at it if you'd like. Okay, and we'll, we'll try to get it onto the show either in, in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Right, and if you uh, guys need us, you know how to get a hold of us. Absolutely. Well, we thank you. Likewise, and if we can help you, just give us a call. We appreciate it. And, and, uh, and Keith's website, again, www.near.s5.com. So you can get in touch with him as well. So that'll pretty much wrap it up for tonight. Next week we're going to talk cryptozoology with Lauren Coleman. And uh, we will talk about Bigfoot. We will talk about the Bridgewater Triangle. We'll talk about everything that we haven't really touched upon as well, uh, the Dover Demon, the Chupacabras, which are popping up in the news, all that stuff. And then uh, after that we're, we're working on trying to put together a show on the Bell Witch Haunting, subject to the new film, The American Haunting, An American Haunting So. For Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spectacular, everybody. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least... Until yesterday begins again.